Hello and welcome back to the CTB show. Thomas Parkernick and Christian Catanacci. As always, Cat, we are down to only two. Conference championship weekend. Pretty electric. Um, some surprises, I guess. Some dramatic comebacks, which is also counts as a surprise, I would say. But overall, crazy games. Can't wait for the Super Bowl. First of all, how are you? I'm doing great. It was a fantastic um, weekend of football. I, I don't know if I want to say surprise because I always felt deep down that it was going to be Chiefs 49ers. I was hoping that the Lions were going to get through. Um, we'll touch on the games later on, but it was a fantastic week of football. Um, everything that you had expected that a conference championship weekend would be like, I felt like it hit on all cylinders. I enjoyed both games and I enjoyed them the pretty much the entire way. First things first, we're not going to talk too much about the Super Bowl in this episode because we have next week to do that. Yes. Yeah. Today's going to be more just unpacking the games that we just had yeah. on Sunday. We have our Super Bowl preview show that's going to happen next week. You mentioned, though, Chiefs 49ers, uh, a, a matchup that a lot of people, it wasn't hard to see coming. It's the one seed in the 49ers in the NFC and, and the, the defending Super Bowl champions yeah. in the AFC. I know they had a shaky season, but the playoffs are just a different beast, and Mahomes has proven time and time again that he can elevate. If we look back to last year, this is also the Super Bowl matchup that I predicted. And obviously, Brock Purdy got hurt in the NFC Championship game, and the Eagles won. Why is everyone acting like this matchup sucks? I, I, everyone I, seems to hate the Chiefs now, and, and you, you were dead on, right, about yep. Mahomes turning into the villain. It's like the whole world was cheering against the Chiefs on Sunday. I mean, I for one, and, and it has nothing to do with, like, the Kelsey Swift storyline. I just, I love watching Patrick Mahomes play football, and I want to watch him as much as I can. So I'm, I'm thrilled that they're in the Super Bowl. I'm thrilled he has another opportunity to add to his legacy. Not that he even needs to do anything anymore. Like, he's just been that good. Um, and the 49ers, I've said it all year, I think they're the best team in the NFL. I know they haven't looked good in the playoffs. But they're winning. But <laughs> they're winning, and I feel like if they can hit another gear, like... Look out. Yeah, I, I think you said it perfectly. I mean, I, for one, want to see Mahomes play in the Super Bowl every single year because I think he's just amazing, and I could just watch him play football forever, right? I couldn't care less about Travis Kelsey and the Taylor Swift stuff. I know there's a bunch of stuff out there that's saying, oh, the NFL fixed it. It's like, oh, the Chiefs are going to... Like, come on, give me a break. Like, you think, you think that the NFL really needs Taylor Swift at the Super Bowl? Like, oh, yeah, sure. Okay, you get all the... Girls now, they're just going to watch the Super Bowl. But, like, the NFL is going to make money regardless, right? Like, and, and if Patrick Mahomes wasn't the quarterback of the Chiefs and it was Jimmy Garoppolo, I don't mean to give a catch, <laughs> let uh, Jimmy Garoppolo catch a stray here, but the Chiefs wouldn't be in the Super Bowl. They're in the Super Bowl because they have the best quarterback in the game and they have the best quarterback maybe of all time, right? Um, they're not there because the NFL forced them to, to go on and win because they want to see this marketable, which is incredibly profitable for the NFL. I will say it's, it's, I mean, like it's Taylor Swift, probably the biggest icon in the whole world, right? Like, but it has nothing to do with the on-field product, right? The, the Chiefs are in the Super Bowl because they're the best team and they have the best quarterback. And to touch on San Francisco, um, I know they haven't looked the part, but I think that's almost as even, and at least in my opinion, it's more impressive. The fact that they have looked like for for four and a half for three and a half quarters against the Packers, they looked like the worst team, and then against the Lions for two and a half, almost three quarters, they were completely out of the game. Like they looked like they were down and out. There was 
what was the stat? 21-0 if you're leading mm-hmm. after seven, 17 or more points at half of a conference championship game. Teams are 21-0. and 0. And Kyle Shanahan is not known for his second-half comebacks. He's actually known for the opposite. He's done it twice now. Yeah. This is, this is the year of Kyle Shanahan in terms of erasing narratives, erasing things that have been said about him, proving that all of that is untrue. And I know he was obviously the offensive coordinator for 28-3. to When he took the 49ers to the Super Bowl last time, they had a, I think it was a double-digit lead with not a lot of time left. And Patrick Mahomes and the Kansas City Chiefs offense happened. We're getting a rematch of that. Maybe Kyle Shannon will, maybe Kyle Shannon will find himself on the other side of things, and he makes a comeback in the Super Bowl. I don't know. I'm excited for the game. I just think that the storylines of people like complaining about this matchup. It's it's, and, and I know the Lions have been such a great fun story. And I I think I said this on last week's show. I don't care who it is. I think any of the different combinations of these four teams will be good Super Bowls. And I mean the Ravens. Yeah, they didn't have a great showing. It was it was tough on offense. They were were a really, really good football team, and they had a great season, a season that I think they should be proud of. That defense was amazing. Lamar Jackson, he's going to go on to win MVP, an MVP that I think he deserves. And the Lions, again, another one you have to be happy with that. And and Dan Campbell said after the game, you know, it's going to be twice as hard to get back here next year. And and I do believe that. It's it's hard to get to these situations. Everyone acts like, and we're going to talk about quarterback in, in a little bit, Lamar Jackson, like, Everyone acts like if you don't, like, there's one team every year that wins the Super Bowl. The season ends in a terrible way for 31 of 32 teams in the NFL. Like, it is really hard. And you got guys like Patrick Mahomes that continue to prove that they're unbeatable. So I just think that, like, from a Ravens fan and a Lions fan perspective, like, this season was, it was an absolute success, I would say. Yeah, see, I'm going to give a little bit pushback there because I think there's, I mean, it's hard for me to sit here and say there's no guarantees in the NFL because now it's starting to seem like there is a guarantee that at least Patrick Mahomes is going to be in the AFC Championship. But there's only one other team that could play Patrick Mahomes. So there's no guarantee that the Ravens or the Lions are going to get back here, especially if the Lions lose Ben Johnson. But like, I'm, t- I'm going to talk about, I'm going to just get right into it. And I'm going to talk about Baltimore and I'm going to talk about Lamar. I think this Ravens season was an absolute failure. I think it was, look, Baltimore had the one seed. You had it in front of you. You had home field advantage all the way to the Super Bowl. And you, you didn't get it done. Like, a fantastic regular season, right? Lamar Jackson absolutely deserves MVP, 100%. He had a great year. But what is there to show for it? Yeah, sure, you're going to win another MVP. I, but, like, at one point, does it become a concern now? It's like, okay... I, I'm not talking, I'm not doubting Lamar's personal accolades. I think the fact that he's won two MVPs, he's had two first team all pro selections, and he's been in the league since, in what, six or for the last six years, I think it's been six seasons in the league, whatever it is. The fact that he's only has two playoff wins to show for it is a, like, at least in my opinion, is a little bit concerning because you want the elite quarterbacks, which I'm going to put a Lamar in that category because a lot of people seem to put him that way. And you put him in the playoffs. You expect guys like that to elevate their game. And now you, you look at Lamar in, in six playoff games. He's two and four record, 75.7 passer rating. He's got six touchdowns, six picks. Like, and I, I get it. He played awesome against Houston. Young Houston team, maybe a little bit more overhyped than, than it expected. Like I was high on Houston because I just latch on to young teams like that but like the Ravens defense had 
that Chiefs offense exactly where it needed to be. And I know Zay Flowers had that big boneheaded drive with the fumble out the end zone, but let's face the facts. Lamar Jackson did not do enough to get it done. He All he had to do was put, put, put points, right? He had no problem doing that all year. And I know the Chiefs defense is good, but like, come on, you know, you scored your seven points on a broken play. Outside of that, the offense put up a dud. I know Zay Flowers fumbled out the end zone, like I just mentioned, but you expect your MVP quarterback to do more. And I'm not saying, I'm not going to sit here and say Lamar is not a good quarterback because that'd be blasphemous for me to say. I think he's the best athlete in the game. But at what point does it become a concern that we are starting to see Lamar Jackson more often than not in big games, specifically in January, just fall a little bit short? I understand that, and there's like there's there's different ways you can lose football games. And obviously, if you're a Buffalo Bills fan, Josh Allen's like playing his heart out, and they're still losing. It's it's obviously less concerning than when like you're losing because your offense doesn't step up and your quarterback doesn't have a good game. He was struggling a lot, but I also say at the same time, it's just like you have this great season, you win so many games. It's so hard to even get here to be one of the last final four teams in the league and standing in your way is Patrick Mahomes and like nobody can beat him nobody's beating him he's 14 and 3 in the playoffs over a full you know he's played a full season of playoff football 17 games he's 14 and 3 he's thrown just seven interceptions 38 touchdowns so it's just kind of like sometimes you're gonna fall short if if I'm Baltimore you got a really good quarterback who is young who already has two MVPs, you know if he's healthy, you're going to be a very, very good team. And, and I just think that, like, that's something to hold your, your head high about. And I know, like, it, it's frustrating because you were a favorite, you were at home, it felt like all year this was your year, you had the narrative. You're going in up against Patrick Mahomes, and, and he wins. Like, just that, that's what he does. It, it, it's tough. It's tough to win a Super Bowl. It, it is tough, but... On that note, the Chiefs offense did score zero points in the second I half. I know, no, for sure. Right? So, like, the, Which it's is not crazy because like, that was like the Chiefs kryptonite all year. Of course. Second and it half happened. offense. And, it and, happened. And, and yeah. And, and Baltimore wasn't able to take advantage of it. That's why I'm so frustrated. And, and, like, I don't know, people can say whatever the hell they want. I got into like a bunch of Twitter, you want to call it Twitter fights, Twitter beef today, because I said that there isn't enough Lamar Jackson criticism because, in my opinion, there's one person that just for some reason doesn't get enough criticism, but then sometimes it feels like he's over-criticized. I, I don't know. It's like, I'm not trying to be a hater. I'm not trying to, to, to just pinpoint and, and, and nitpick, but it, it's, it's frustrating because Lamar goes from, from week one to 17, and he's so good. And now when you get to the playoffs, he's, it's like, it's the same, it's, it's, it's becoming a narrative now, like against Tennessee, they were the one seed and they lost to Tennessee in the same fashion. It's like they go down early and they're just never able to get back. In my opinion, if I'm an elite quarterback, there's no blueprint to beat me, right? You just got to play better than that quarterback. Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, there's a blueprint to beating them. If you get up early and you force them to throw the ball stretch downfield, more often than not, Baltimore is going to fall short. And you saw it here with Kansas City, who scored zero points in the second half. I think one avenue that maybe we're not talking about enough in all this is that Kansas City defense. Yes. Because man, oh man. And 
I believe it was last week as well where I was kind of just complaining about how like it always has to be the quarterbacks and a team like true. San Fran is kind of a good example because they're discredited because their quarterback isn't their best player and their quarterback's not shouldering this team and leading them. Um, and I know everyone loves to talk about Patrick Mahomes and I, I thought he was great and I thought it was a different type of Patrick Mahomes game. And it's been very impressive how throughout the entire playoffs, he's just like, I, I don't like the term game manager, but... He just hasn't turned the ball over. He hasn't made mistakes. No. He's taken what the Efficient. team's given him. Yep. When's the last time we've seen, and I know it's a lot of this is due to the receivers that they have on their team now. They don't have Tyree Kill, and MVS has been a little bit unreliable as a deep threat. But when's the last time we've seen that classic Mahomes bomb down the field, 60 yards on a rope, rolling out, and it's just like, wow, that's the arm talent that got him drafted in the first round. Feels like it's been a while. It's been a lot of quick intermediate to short passes, Rasheed Rice, um, Travis Kelsey over the middle of the field. And that's been great. It's been, he's played in a different way, but their defense, man, oh man. The secondary is like right now the best in the NFL. Sneed was incredible. That Obviously, play that was play, like one of the best plays I've ever, like wow. that was game changing. Oh, like, uh, game changing was, if was that happens, maybe we're having a different conversation right now about Lamar Jackson. Maybe that spurs, uh, a comeback and we're seeing like wow he can really get it done it, it shows you it's a game of inches of course that like that's not Lamar Jackson's fault that happened and then you got Trent McDuffie it's crazy to me that this is the guy that they got in the Tyree kill trade yeah. with the first round pick that they recouped from Miami because how often do we see like a trade goes down and five years from now it's like yeah we got good value in terms of draft picks but we didn't Turn them into anything because it's hard. It's hard yeah. to hit on draft picks, especially it's in the first hard. round. It's, it's probably less than fifty percent, especially of guys. late round late corners round. too. Like twenty to thirty-two, less than fifty percent of those guys are getting second contracts. I with agree. The team. Yep. Even getting their fifty-year option picked up, yeah. yep. it is hard. So for them to pull out this slot corner from Washington, that's tough, that's physical, that can excel in man coverage, that has good instincts. It's just, I'm impressed by how this Kansas City Chiefs team, it's almost Patriot-like how they've adapted. We think that they're on the decline. Now they can beat you in a different way. Now they're strong in this area. Whereas a couple of years ago, they needed to outscore you. Yeah. Now we're seeing a team that can just flat out shut you down when it matters. And that's why to me, they feel like they got championship pedigree and they, I don't know, I, again, I don't want to go into too much next week, but like I'm... Very, very bullish on who I think is going to win. Yeah. Like, look, it starts at the top, too. Like, it starts with the leadership. And I think you're seeing Patrick Mahomes go from a great quarterback, a great young promising quarterback, to a veteran now. Like, he's a, he's a veteran quarterback. He is... I know he's 28, so he's not old. But, like, by every step of... In, in every step of his career, Patrick Mahomes has grown, right? You look at him from a rookie. He just was a, a, a gunslinging rookie. He was amazing. He was electric. He would beat you by just playing out of his mind. And now you fast forward six years, and he is managing the game better. He is turned into a leader, and you're seeing his whole team rally against him. And I know it's the complete opposite end of the ball, but or side of the ball, for that matter. But you're seeing them, like, Legereus Sneed, a, a mid-round draft pick. Trent McDovey, again, a late first-round pick, but still a corner. How often do you see, like, we we've see, we see year in and year out, late, late first-round corners, they, 
DeAndre Baker. Right? DeAndre Baker. Noah Igbenogany. Like, there's so many guys that, yeah. that, that get drafted in the, the late first that just don't pan out because it's a tough position. And, and I think that's the most impressive part to me. And you look at, like, you look at Mahomes and Kelsey. They are such big game players. Like, we had people sit here. I mean, heck, at one point, it was hard for you not to say, like, okay, is Kelsey kind of washed? Because, like, what the hell's going on here? And the fact that he's just able to flip a switch, it's like a big game, okay, I'm going off, is truly remarkable to me. And I think you're seeing the trickle-down effect. And I think that's what makes it even better. The fact that Mahomes is now not not only just able to will him single-handedly over you, he is able to rally his team and lead his team to, to just put more belief in them. Like, that defense is... Outside of Chris Jones, and I know now Legereus Sneed and, and Trent McDuffie and Nick Bolton, who I don't think Nick Bolton, I mean, he's been banged up, but you get what I'm, you get the point. Like, outside of Chris Jones, there really isn't a big name yeah. on that defense. Like, Drew Tranquil, a guy that spent a lot of his years in, in, in LA with the Chargers, like, they are stepping up. Charles Omenahu. Exactly. Like, there are so many. I'm not going to call them random, but not big marquee players that the average person won't know who the heck they are. The fact that they're able to make big plays in big moments, I think is exactly what you'd... I think it's it's just a perfect example of who Patrick Mahomes is and who the Chiefs have running their franchise. Like He's almost Brady-esque in that sense now, which is something that's crazy because Brady was regarded by many as one of the greatest leaders of all time. Like, that's what made him so great, right? You watch Brady and you watch Mahomes. Like, it's obviously clear that Patrick Mahomes does things that Brady couldn't even dream of, right? But Brady was a seventh-round pick. He obviously isn't skilled in that sense. Brady was able to beat teams because of his leadership, because of his poise, because of his brain. And the fact that Mahomes now can also do that with... Also having his arsenal of just incredibly talented, just God-given ability, it makes this Chiefs team incredibly difficult to stop. And I think you're seeing it week in and week out, and you're seeing it definitely the last two weeks. Like, he was an underdog, right? We talked about it again. First time since he was a back-to-back underdog and since his first two starts of his rookie season. It was his second year in the league, but point still stands. And what did he do in those two games? He won them both. What did he do in these two games? He won them both because he's just that guy. It's at the point now where it's like if you're if you're still betting against this guy, and I I just I don't even understand how the lines come out for the Super Bowl, and they're an underdog again, albeit you know I think it was a point or a point and a half. That, that line's already moving. Yeah, I don't think they're plus money on the money line anymore. Um, but it's just like, come on, are we are we really gonna go through this again? I, I'm excited though. I think it's gonna be a great game. Excited to watch Mahomes again in a big moment. I think the rivalry or the the rematch aspect of the game is fun as well. But let's uh, let's talk a little bit about those Detroit Lions. I I've been on Dan Campbell's side. He's really really won me over this year. But I think the game the discussion has to start about the game with the controversial fourth down decisions from Dan Campbell. Look, Pac, I think, in my opinion, you look at this Lions team, and I get it, right? Their aggressiveness is what got them here. So it's it's hard for you to sit here and, and you bash them too hard on, on that specific decision, right? Dan Campbell had a fantastic year. And the one thing you can't knock Dan Campbell is, is 
he's going to live by his sword or he's going to die by it, right? I took the words out of my mouth. Damn. And that is, that is who he is, right? So it's like, I can't sit here and I can't criticize him too much, but I think a big, a big part about being a head coach is having awareness and not letting your emotions get too much ahead of you. And I think that's Dan Campbell's kryptonite. You got to take the points there. I get it. I, I get it. You, you're going for that. If if that's week one, week seventeen, we everywhere in between, even last week, you're you're going for it, right? If you're at home, you're going for that, right? You're on the road. You're up twenty four to ten. It like it's like oh, just go, just kick the three points. Take go ahead three scores, right? And I think he also made a couple other weird decisions, uh, like like running running out on third down. Right at the end of the game, there it's like, like what? Why? Right? It doesn't make too much sense, especially with only having two timeouts. Because even if you scored, like it's okay. Like you're wasting too much clock. Now you're just banking on you getting the onside kick. I think there were some questionable decisions. Whether that was Dan Campbell or Ben Johnson, I'm not sure. But I think the Detroit Lions had a fantastic, fantastic season, and I think that they overcame a lot. Um, I'm not going to be too harsh on them. I know I'm, I'm a strong believer of you got to capitalize on your opportunities because you never know when the heck you're going to be there again. And who knows? The Lions might not ever make this again, right? They, they might. They might not. But they're a darn, darn good, young, promising team. They have a, they're very deep. They've hit on a lot of draft picks. So I would put my money on the Lions at least being in the conversation here next year. I think that's fair to assume. Um, but it's definitely a gun-wrenching loss. Like, it's, it's hard to to not be a little bit bummed out if you're the Lions fan. AFC North should be a ton of fun next year, especially with Jordan Love's emergence late in the season. Who knows what Chicago's going to do? I'm excited for that. But since you went in with the whole live by the die, live by the sword, die by the sword, I was planning a whole sort of monologue around that <laughs> quote. Um, so you stole my thunder a little bit there, but I, I do have a, a stat that I brought in as backup. This season, and this is from Nate Atkins on Twitter, don't want to not credit him, um, the Lions were 15 of 20 at converting fourth and three or fewer in the regular season. That's 75%, okay? Two for two in the postseason in those situations. Michael Badgley, their kicker, nine of 20, 45% in his career from 48 plus yards, which is the worst among yeah. kickers in NFL history that have, you know, made a certain amount of kicks. Everyone talks about analytics. Maybe this was the right move. Yeah. At the end of the day, he trusted the guys that he had more faith in, which is Ben Johnson, Jared Goff, Amano St. Brown. I mean, if Josh Reynolds makes a catch, we're having a different discussion. We're talking about a rematch of the first game of the NFL season here, potentially. Yeah. So it's tough, and it's a, it's a game of inches. And maybe Dan Campbell needs to learn that, yes, his mantra, his personality, everything that he preaches is aggressiveness and not being scared and dictating the game at your own terms and saying, we're going to go for this. We're going to, you know, we're going to go for the jugular and we're going to beat you. We're not going to play it safe and, and settle for three points. Maybe he needs to learn to adapt and maybe that'll come with experience. Maybe he made the right call and it just didn't work out. I don't know. Who, who am I here? Someone who's never stood behind an NFL sideline to sit and tell a coach of the year finalist, you messed up, and I'm going to hold you accountable now. Like, that's just the reality of the situation. Um, sucks to see them lose in that way. But at the end of the day, if you've watched this team, oh, like we're talking about a coach 
that in a very, very crucial December primetime game against the Dallas Cowboys, one that was ultimately going to decide who was the second seed, who was the third seed, the one seed was still in play at the time, goes for it to win for two, gets a flag on the play, gets backed up to the 10, and still goes for it for two. That's what he does. If you expected him to do anything different, sorry. You've been watching the wrong team all year. And you know what? Lions fans... I'm sure they don't really have too much of a problem with it because this is their guy. This is the personality of their team. This is what they're going to do. Sometimes it's going to work. Sometimes it's not. You're walking a very, very tight rope here in these situations, fourth and two. That's what happens. That's football. I think what stings the most is the fact that they were up by such a wide oh, margin. Absolutely. Like, like if, if the game was closer from for the first half, like, like okay, I know it's hypothetical and I don't like getting into the hypothetical game, but like, let's say this game is 17, 14 and a half and whatever, right? They, 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 they kick a field goal and it's 2014 and then they're on that drive. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's a six point game and Detroit doesn't get the fourth down. It's like, okay, whatever. Like, but the fact that it, it sort of triggered and it shifted momentum, like you, if you saw, if you could see a shift of momentum, it felt like you were watching it yeah. there. Like when you, when that fourth down happened, it just felt significant. Like when, the, when they missed it, whether that was a drop pass, a bad throw, regardless, right? You're not going to convert a hundred percent of fourth down. That's going to happen. Right. And that's another thing too. It's like, okay, if it happened and it, and it, and it worked out, people will be praising Dan Campbell. Right. I probably would be praising him, but now I'm criticizing him because it didn't work out. So like, that's just the part of it. Like that's again, that's the scrutiny and that's the, um, that just comes with the position that comes with the job, right? So you got to deal with it. But I just, the fact that they were up so much and it gave them life, it gave the 49ers life when ah, it, it's, 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 it's frustrating, right? I'll just put it like that. And I'm not even a Lions fan. I was just cheering for the Lions because I wanted to see the Lions in the Super Bowl. Like I just felt like it was destiny. I felt this is a, I genuinely felt like this was a team of destiny. I felt like they were just, it was one of those teams where, they were just going to let nothing stop them. And they just fell a little bit short. It's, it's frustrating. Um, I know, I know, honestly, Detroit, you could still celebrate. You could still do your thing because you went to the NFC Championship. You changed the narrative of Detroit football. Who knows? Maybe the best of Detroit Lions football is, is, is to come. And I want to believe in that. I'm going to put my faith in that. Although that you never know. You don't know what the future is, especially in the NFL. But... Um, again, hats off to Detroit. What an incredible, incredible season. I, for one, thought Detroit was going to be a good team. I didn't think they were going to be this good. Uh, but look, the, Dan Campbell, if you want to give him credit and you want to give him his flowers, absolutely do so. But there's one thing that absolutely nobody can take away from him. And he has changed this Lions brand of football for the better, right? I think you're going to see... The Detroit Lions be serious players in the NFL for year in and year out. I think you're changed, you've changed this franchise, right? You've changed it from, um, I don't want to call them the laughing stock, but just one of those franchises. It's like, okay, meh, whatever. It's the Lions. But I think we're seeing Lions football change for the better. And whether you want to criticize him or you want to love him, it's at the hands of Dan Campbell. And I, th I think that's the most important part, at least my, in my opinion. That's my main takeaway from this. I was a little bummed out to see them go as well, 
especially I love the Jared Goff narrative. Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, cast aside, told that he's not good enough, told that they can't win with him with Former the Rams. First he's, overall pick he's holding too. them back. Former first overall pick. And it's like, if he were to, if he would have won that game and the Lions would be in the Super Bowl, he would have just been the fifth quarterback in NFL history to lead their team, to lead two different teams to multiple Super Bowls. Up there with Brady, Kurt Manning, Warner. Kurt Warner, and Ken Craig, Craig Morton. Did it with the Cowboys and the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Long time ago. So, like, that is a pretty elite group. And I think if there's one, not just a positive takeaway, a massive positive for Lions fans is all year long, we knew the Lions were a very good team, but so many people still felt like Jared Goff couldn't get it done for the team when it really boiled down to it. This team did not lose because of Jared Goff. And I feel like that would have been such an easy narrative for people to conclude to when, whenever the, the loss was coming for this team. If this team didn't win the Super Bowl, I felt like in the end, it would have been blamed on Goff somehow. If you look at his, game, his performances in the playoffs, against the Rams... 82% completion, one touchdown, zero interceptions. Against the Bucks, 69.8% completion, two touchdowns, zero interceptions. Last night, 61% completion, okay, not as ideal or not as good as the weeks past, but again, one touchdown, zero interceptions. He had over 275 yards and, or 270 yards in every single game. Like, this guy proved he's the real deal. And he proved he is the quarterback for the future of this team. And I'm very, very excited to watch them go out, run it back. you got this great young core that they've drafted so well over the last three years. Brad Holmes has done an amazing job. Dan Campbell has done an amazing job. I'm, I'm still on this Lions wagon. I'd be very, very proud of this team if I was a fan, if I was a member of this organization. I'm excited for things to come. And you know what? Maybe Dan Campbell will learn from this. Maybe it'll make him better in the long run. But... Keep doing your thing. I wouldn't change much with this team. They're yeah. close. They're very close. Jared Goff, he proved a lot of people wrong. And my, and so, myself included. I always thought Jared Goff was a good quarterback. I just felt he was like, whatever. Right? I didn't think he was great. I didn't think he was bad. I just thought he was a average quarterback. Mm-hmm. Right? Like, I didn't think anything about it. And, and he really, really did prove me wrong. And and I think he proved a lot. I think he proved the Detroit Lions wrong, too. Like, this is a team that took Hendon Hooker high. Well, not high, but they took him. They themselves were were in the Russell Wilson race. Like, this is a team that was always looking to upgrade Jared Goff. Like, they didn't even want Jared Goff. He was thrown in. I'll never forget when they traded for Jameis. I mean, they took Jameis and Williams. But when they made that trade, I was like, here it is, Malik Willis. (laughs) Yeah, it's true, though. Like, yeah. That was what everyone thought was happening. People thought Malik Willis was going to Detroit. And, And I know Lions fans perfect. Personally, that wanted Malik Willis at two, right? Like they were, they wanted Malik Willis. And Jared Goff threw, throughout that whole situation, you just look at his timeline of getting into Detroit as a throw in to Matthew Stafford, an icon. Like, this is Matthew Stafford. This is someone that was a icon in Detroit. To, to be thrown in on a trade package where they just sent their franchise player out. It's surely just people are like, what the heck? Now we got to watch Goff. This team's going to suck. The fact that he was able to overcome all that, and now he's become a Detroit icon. It's, yeah. it's, it's remarkable. It's truly one of the most, in my opinion, one of the most underappreciated storylines. And people are going to say underappreciated. How are you going to say Jared Goff and is, is underappreciated? I don't think, the reason why I say it's underappreciated is because I don't think people realize just 
how he's able to resurrect himself and how he has become now a staple in Detroit Lion football. Like, we're going to get a statue of probably Matthew Stafford at, at, at in Detroit, whatever. Let's say Ford Field has a new stadium one day or, heck, they probably make a statue just outside there. You probably built Jared Goff's statue. Like, he, <laughs> tell me why you shouldn't. Like, he he's changed this team. Like, the, the Detroit Lions were a franchise that's never even sniffed what they what they did this year this is a team that was playoff failures for like 40 years and Jared Goff the former first overall pick the throw-in the contract dump changes franchise around changed his career around and it's one of the most remarkable things I had a blast watching it and Jared Goff made himself two new fans and they're both north of the border this year uh, residing in this freezing cold weather you know what weather, though I was last year it was my Lions Remember yes that? it was Remember Pox Lions how did they do last year? Oh, I think I gave up on them at some point. Because and then they were they one went, and eight, and then they went on a run. I remember. You, you had, and they almost made and the I chirped you because you usually have your diamond hands. Like, you had, you were with the Chiefs all I the time with the, the Chiefs. Chiefs. So last the Chiefs. Year. And you know what? This year, I, I think I bailed. I think I bailed on the Chiefs briefly. And then when the playoffs started, I was like, are we really going to be surprised yeah. if they're in the Super Bowl? But here we are. And one other underappreciated element, and we talk about quarterbacks with Jared Goff. Brock Purdy, everyone continues to tell him he can't do things. Find ways to win. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm not. I'm not necessarily a Brock Purdy truther. I'm not necessarily a Brock Purdy hater. But he's proven me wrong. Like it's. Look, you can say you can have all, any opinion you want. It seems like Brock Purdy is one of those quarterbacks that just it's it's people think he's better than he is. People think he's worse than he is. Right. Like I think. He's not as good as 49ers fans think he is, and he's also not as bad as the average person thinks mm-hmm. he is, right? I think he's one of those quarterbacks. And I continuously put him up against Jimmy Garoppolo because I think Jimmy Garoppolo was ex- that exact same team type of quarterback. And people think that that's like a bad thing. It's like, oh, it's not Jimmy G. Like, Jimmy G got to the Super Bowl, Jimmy right? G had a, Jimmy G had a good career. He had a great career. Yeah. Like, he, he was a good quarterback, right? And I think Brock Purdy is also a good quarterback, right? He, he could win. You could win because of him but you could also win in spite of him. Like Brock Purdy is never going to just win you games by himself, but more often than not, he's not going to just lose you games by turning the ball over too often. So I think he does enough. And I think San Francisco is a good enough team to get away with it. And like, obviously people go like, oh, you put Brock Purdy on the Panthers. It's like, okay, like the Panthers are the worst team in the league. Like obviously he's going to suck. Put anybody on the Panthers. I know, like Like, it's unfair criticism. I think, again, it goes back to my opinion, at least it's like, he takes too much criticism, but then people also think he's a little bit better than he is. So, Brock Purdy, you just got to sort of take him for what he is. I think he's Jimmy Garoppolo, just more mobile, and that's not a lock him at all. Like, Jimmy Garoppolo was playing the Super Bowl three years ago against Chiefs, right? Maybe Brock Purdy gets it done this time. Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't. We'll see. San Francisco is a darn good team. They're probably better now than they were then. And Brock Purdy's a pretty pretty important piece to it. Like, it's not like he's doing nothing. Like, it's not like people are like, oh, you got CMC Debo and... Kyle Shanahan, George Kittle, like, yeah, sure, he's got studs, but, like, still doing his part. Everyone laughs at the whole Jimmy G comp. When Jimmy Garoppolo first got traded to San Francisco, first of all, he was, like, seen as this crown jewel, heir to Brady's throne at the time, you know, developed under him, played in the Belichick system. When he first got traded to San Francisco, they were bad. They were really bad, and... I think he won six six out of his set, first yeah, seven. First maybe, seven maybe won five in a row. Yeah. Like, this guy turned a garbage team. And I remember it's, yeah. it's totally screwed up their draft pick. Yes. Totally big yeah. time screwed up their draft pick. I can't remember exactly who they ended up taking that year. I feel like 
Might have been a little too early if it was the DeForest Buckner might have um, been. draft. I feel like that might be a little bit too early. Um, but like Jimmy Garoppolo was was solid, and he can get the job done. And Brock Purdy's doing exactly that. And like I said, pumped to see these two quarterbacks, these two teams, go at it in a couple weeks. Next week is going to be the full Super Bowl preview. Today was just more of a uh, a breakdown of of the games of the weekend. But before we close, quickly want to talk about Bill Belichick because obviously the coaching carousel is going on right now and it looks very, very likely. And when I say very likely, I mean almost 98% certain that Bill Belichick will not be a head coach. 100%. He's not getting uh, Well, the, the one rumor and why I leave 2% is that if the Chiefs win the Super Bowl, Andy Reid could retire and Bill Belichick could find his way over in Kansas City eating barbecue with Patrick Mahomes next year. <laughs> Seems like a crazy rumor. Um... Like I said, again, it's it's an extreme hypothetical. the The commanders seem like they're going to go with a new a new hire, a fresh face, either a Ben Johnson or a Mike McDonald. The Seahawks have been one of the weirdest ever job openings in the NFL for a head coach because Pete Carroll. They kind of said like, eh, "We don't want you to be the coach anymore, but you can stay in an organization." Sounds like he still wants to be a coach somewhere. I highly doubt they would go after a Bill Belichick. That just feels like a lateral movement. Yeah, they're not If you're moving it. off of Pete Carroll, if you're forcing him out the door, to me, you want to get younger. You want to f- start fresh. You want a new voice come in, not Bill Belichick, who it's like he's done so much in the NFL. How mo- – not that I want to question his motivation, obviously, what I know about that. But it's just like what does he have to prove in Seattle if he were to go there? So it sounds like he's not going to go there. Seems like he wants to come back in 2025, but what do you make of the whole Belichick situation right now? I'm not shocked at all. I don't think you're shocked at all. Like, we were ahead of the curve here. We both said when he was um, let go or mutually parted ways with the Patriots, it felt like Bill Belichick's time in the NFL was over. Like, it felt like the game outgrew him. And we took a lot of heat, right? People criticized, this is this is the greatest coach of all time that you're talking about. Okay, but, like, he's 73. Like, the game is moving in a different direction. You're hiring coaches... A third of his age, right? Like, I'm not here to age shame, but like, yeah, like, I, you know what I mean? Like, give it up. Like, okay, he, he's the best, best coach ever. But like, even the best, even the best players ever, they gotta retire sometime. Yeah. It's like it, the game eventually outgrows you, and people are so quick to just instant defense mode. It's like, oh, you said one bad thing about Bill Belichick or somebody that they like. It's like, boom, defense mode. It's like, oh, why are you? Why are you attacking the best coach? He's the best coach ever. It's like, okay, is he the best coach ever? Sure, he might be, but his last three years in New England were garbage, right? So, like, are you gonna are you hiring Bill 2010 Bill or are you hiring 2023 Bill? Because unless you've got a time machine, you're hiring 2023 Bill, and he isn't that good. And you're seeing it because there is there was what six job openings, seven job seven, openings, seven, yeah, and. Look, every well, one of them being New England. So of course, count, but, but yeah. so so six potential that they could have hired Bill Belichick. And if Bill Belichick was 2010 Bill Belichick, six of those teams would be have him as their front line guy. Go get me him. If you want to pick us, sure. You got your job blank check. We'll give it to you. It's 2023 Belichick. You're seeing it. 2024 now. 2024. <laughs> You're seeing it. A lot of teams are passing him over. I think the game's outgrown him. We both said it. So I'm not shocked. I know a lot of people are acting shocked, but I think Bill Belichick's days of coaching in the NFL, at least as a head coach, are over. Um, and what a heck of a career it's been because you can make the argument he's 
maybe the best coach of all time. Heck, he's one of, right? He's probably the new era's best coach that we've seen. So you want to put him up there with Vince Lombardi, the Tom Landry's, go ahead because I think he's deserved it. Um, his accolades speak for themselves. His dominance speaks for itself. Him and Brady did great things together. But like I said, it's 2024 Bill Belichick. Give me a break. I'm not hiring him. He's obviously struggled a lot as well as a general manager. And I think part of this new transition, if he were to take a job anywhere, um, ego is definitely a factor. And I'm sure he wants a ton of control because he is Bill Belichick. And I just think at this stage of his career, an owner isn't going to want to completely hand the reins of the organization over to a guy that just doesn't have a great track record in recent years as a coach in the last two or three. Um, but as a GM, this dates back in you know, the last seven or eight years, Brady, Brady's really end in new England. The team wasn't making the best move. They were attracting talent because they had Tom Brady. Um, but the draft has just been quite a disaster for the new England Patriots. So not really um, shocked like you, we, we did touch upon this a couple episodes ago. And I think a year off as well does not do Bill Belichick a lot of good. I mean, you're... You're going to be one year older. Yeah, and right? it's just like, I don't know, maybe I, I, I try to put myself in other people's shoes in a lot of these situations. Um, I, I love talking about football. It's what we do every day. I feel like if I were to do this another 50 years would put me at Bill Belichick's age. I feel like I would be in the right. I feel like it would be time to give it up, you know, like it's, but maybe this is all he wants to do and it's his passion. So we'll see. Like you said, one of the best coaches of all time, if not the best. So wish him the best of luck. Who knows if we'll see him again. Doesn't sound like it's going to be for another year, but yeah. Mother, Mother Teresa was, was alive when Bill Belichick was born. That's so that's like, Look, I'm age shaming now. Like it, Mother Teresa was alive. Mother Teresa, Mother Teresa uh, was alive the first Mister Potato Head toy was was sold in 1952. Oh, never mind. She, I was gonna say Mother Teresa was alive when I was born. No, Mother she Teresa was is in, old. She she. No, but she she passed away. And you were alive when Mother Teresa. Oh no, you weren't. When you were born, 98. 98. She di- she died in 1997. Okay, okay. That's, Still, that, that's not a the good, first Mister Potato toy. toy Head was sold in 1952. Polio, the polio <laughs> pandemic, 1952. Um. When, Queen Elizabeth when was, this is when the second Queen Elizabeth II became the, the the Queen of England. Um, the first Chevrolet Corvette prototype was completed in 1950. So the Corvette wasn't even out yet. So Bill Belichick's been along, along for a while, right? The NFL hasn't even been along. I think when did the NFL merge with the AFL? Sixty six, right? So they, like he's older than so. he's older than the NFL. Taking this guy was in like grade three and. His buddies were like, did you hear about this new football league? He's yeah. probably like, I had no idea. And then he just became, stu- he just studied it. And, <laughs> and he's he just like, you know what? In, in, in 60 years, I'm going to be the best <laughs> guy ever in that league. Yeah, 1962 AFL-NFL merger, I believe. He was 10. Let's see. He was 10. Yeah, June 8th, 1966. When I was 10 years old, I was in my elementary school yard playing football, thinking I was going to be the next Tony yeah, Romo. When I, was, when I was 10 years old, I had a Brandon Marshall Dolphins jersey. And I, I maybe even Mike Wallace at that time. So Bill Belichick had no idea what, the, what it even was. And look, I'm fast sure forward 50 I mean, years. It's not like football wasn't a thing. Like the NFL. No, was yeah, 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 yeah. But it's yeah, just like no, the yes. league of what we know yes. today, the structure of it was not. Was but regardless, right. the point is he is. He's old and he's good. He's still, I mean, he's a great coach. He's the greatest best ever. Like, he's old, but it's like, he's, he's also the best. Like, yeah, we can, he's the best. We can also speak for probably 20 minutes on how great. Oh, I could, you could probably, is. you could probably have a show so. 
when 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 Bill Belichick ultimately retires from the NFL, it's going to be one of the most um, impactful days because again, he changed the game, right? He did so many great things over his course of time as as a head coach and even as a coordinator in his early years. Uh, he was fantastic. That's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about just the idea of hiring him um, in the year 2024 as a 72-year-old head coach uh, that seems to be on the decline. But yes, we'll save that for another time. Um, I'm sure we'll talk about Bill Belichick and all his glory one day when he retires. Um, but that wraps it up. That uh, ends our... Uh, I mean, I'm not gonna. Call, I'm gonna call it maybe like what the, the two week before. It is two weeks before the Super Bowl, but it's not our Super Bowl show. That will be next week. So again, if you listen to it this far, thank you so much. Um, like, comment, um, subscribe. I don't know wherever you're listening to this. Um, we appreciate it. Rate it. Um, and give us some feedback too. I know throughout the off season, we're gonna try and keep this alive. Um, we're trying to line up some guests for you guys. Uh, we're gonna do some Q and A episodes, so we're gonna interact a little bit more. We're not gonna let it die like we did last season. Not die. We're not gonna take an extended break. We'll take a break here and there. But um, we appreciate you guys for sticking this, sticking with us this far. Um, stay tuned for our Super Bowl podcast next week. Super Bowl preview uh, next Tuesday, and um, we'll catch you guys next week. <laughs>